Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Dark, a podcast that's done when we say it's done. I'm <laughs> Alex. When you walk through the darkness for as long as we have, it's sort of like, is this all darkness? I guess you know. <laughs> we we get. I guess it's just the way we are now. <laughs> okay, I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And it has been about a week since the Riverdale finale. Ah, uh, somehow yeah, we survived. I I looked up finale in the dictionary. There's not going to be any more episodes after this. What? Come what? on. You guys, what about no. next season? That's, what are you talking about? No, what are we going to do what, with the podcast? Hey, if on. you think about it, finale is like final. That's like a fancy way of saying final. Uh, oh, I don't know. The way it's spelled, though, like final, you got final and then you got an E at the end. So it's final. Eh? Like that. Right? Uh, like there's oh, a little nice. question oh, mark that's in there. Yeah. Finale. Anyway, it's a celebration. Finale. The... Riverdale did end. It is over. We are very sad, but it has been a week since, and we asked you all for your theories, your questions, your thoughts on the finale and the series as a whole. We got so many of them on multiple platforms. What we're going to do here is we're going to try to get through as many as we can in the time we've allotted to do the podcast. We love getting this stuff. Sorry in advance if we don't get to your stuff because there's so many great questions that we got and thoughts and theories and things. But before we get into it, I do want to ask you guys how you're feeling 
a week later. Mm. You know, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions changed. We're very, coming in very hot after uh, we watched the episode and then we're t- taping the podcast. Now that it's settled for a bit, how are you feeling about the series finale? How are you feeling about the season? How are you feeling about the series as a whole? Uh, silence. Just a little <laughs> bit of a moment of silence there, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, I'm very happy. I I feel like the more time that more time away from it, I really enjoyed the way um, it came to a close and the really sort of wide view the show took in its final season to really make sort of a larger statement about what full on life is like that hasn't really been a part of the show. Earlier seasons were sort of about the, the darkness, the crazy story, the plot, uh, the characters, the ships, all that. This sort of really took a step back and, and, and added a mature element to it, I thought. And so I really enjoyed that. And I've also come around to really understand that Barchi is in game. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> Pete, what about you? How are you feeling a week on? I got a hole in my heart that, uh, you know, uh, needs to be filled. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life now. Uh, it's it's We tough, can still but, talk. Yeah, but I miss <laughs> that. that yeah, but I, he'd prefer ace. not to. He'd prefer yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I miss option. that high-paced, insane uh, emotional action. Um you know, and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. You know, it's uh, it was a lovely ending. Mm-hmm. I feel great the longer time has gone about the ending in some mm. aspects, but I also feel like uh, I don't know, man. It's it was a long run. I uh, we got addicted early to it, and uh, you know, it's it's tough uh, weaning off of this. Maybe that hole in the heart, your heart can let some emotions out, Pete. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> what are I, these emotions healthy. you speak of? Let some of that clog out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I I think I'm pretty much with you guys that I felt very heartbroken and a lot of emotions after watching the finale. But the more I think about it, it was a good finale. Obviously, there's yes. some things that we can plumb into, things that probably didn't work or weird, but that's Riverdale. There's always like holes in the ship, but the ship keeps on going anyway, and that's fine. And uh, overall, I was happy with that. Uh, I was really happy with the last season. I know a lot of people were, as I'm sure we're going to get into here, very torn up about the 1950s setting, about the memories thing, how that played out. (laughs) But overall, I thought, that, like we talked about a lot on the podcast, I thought that was a really interesting emotional season. Love watching the cast. And overall, of course, we love the series. Like we've talked about it so much at this point. I somebody asked me after it was done, wait, why did you like this? Why did you actually like oh, this or were you shit. Stockholm syndroming yourself? And I do wow. think there's a little part of like, yeah, we committed to doing a podcast. Of course, I'm going to keep on and talking about it. But there's plenty of shows that we haven't liked that we've plumbed over in a podcast that we either yeah. give up on or just one of us is like, nope, nope, no thanks. That's it. Here legitimately, even when there was stuff that I didn't want to get on board with with the show, I still really like the cast, love the behind-the-scenes people, the amount of craft and effort that they put into everything was ludicrously impressive. Luda. And and ultimately, (laughs) yeah, I really felt good about the show. I think this was a good show. They wrapped up the run, and I'm very pleased with it. I just have a question, because a lot of people are hitting me up on the socials being like, 
hey, uh, if I keep sending you guys like mailbag stuff, will you keep doing podcasts? You know, so like I'm not talking about for me if I pretend to be somebody and send stuff in so I can keep uh, mm-hmm. talking about Riverdale. But just in mm. general, do you think we could keep uh, maybe uh, were, were the letters all from Leet Papage? Is that who they're from? Oh no, I'm more Leet creative Papage. than that. But uh, thank you, uh, no. Leet Papage. <laughs> that sounds like a little orphan boy. We talked about this. Leech, I think Leech I think Papage. there is more to do on this podcast. We have plenty more podcasts. I've gotten so many lovely messages from people that said that this was their comfort podcast, or they kept watching uh-huh. the show because of the podcast, which legitimately really touches me in the heart when I get that stuff. But like. At some point, the strikes are going to break. I'd love to talk to people about the show and the finale. So hopefully, we can set up some and hopefully of that stuff. And yeah. I was talking to someone today who didn't love the 1950s stuff of mm-hmm. this season, stopped watching the show, but continued to listen to the podcast. Wow. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's some truly insane. That's behavior. an interesting combo. Yeah. And then the other thing, there was a listing that was put up on Target and maybe a couple of other places that they're doing a Riverdale complete series DVD. So when that comes out, if that actually has the deleted scenes, the blooper reels and everything, we can revisit that. So we're going to keep this train rolling as long as we can. Just like, just like Riverdale, there's a bunch of holes in the ship. We're going to keep rocking it over the lake. Alex, maybe it wasn't a ship, like a relationship this whole Mm -hmm. time. Maybe it was a uh, friendship, a citizenship. Mm-hmm. Think about that. That's the real ships are focused. Yeah, on we were a citizen of Riverdale. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm oh, talking wow. about. The that town with Pep. <laughs> and I, also, if we want to talk about this, we could also just call each other on the phone. <laughs> no. what, what's Let's remember that? Phone? You speak it's no, no, just so. dial. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to just exclusively text you're, and then you're talk old. about Nobody stuff calls. on podcast. I'm good. Thanks so much. Thank okay. you. That's oh, we a can lo- meet again, a lovely offer, but no, thank you. What's a, a, a podcast in person is just a friendship. Yeah, so what, we're not recording it and putting it online. I don't understand what the point no, is. No, we just meet up and we talk about things no, we I like. I think so. I will mention yeah. on a little pluggy bet, we are actually all going to be in person, though, slightly different days at Baltimore Comic Con, September 8th through 10th. We're going to have a table some there. Well, yeah, we're all going to be there together. Yeah, we're all going to be there together at certain points. But it's our Artist Alley, booth A23. So if you're near Baltimore or if you're going to be down at Baltimore Comic Con, please do come by and say hello. I do think we're going to have a little bit of a Riverdale after dark swag as well to give away. So Ooh. definitely check that out. Yeah. Why don't we what get we, into these theories? What if we and, take it all, though, and then we don't want to give it this to is, people? I will say Pete was like, hey, we should have a bowl of candy. People love having bowls of candy at the table. There is no way that bowl of candy is surviving past the first hour in front of Pete LePage. It's just Wait, not that whole bowl has got to last all three days. Come on, man. That bowl is not. I'm saying you're going to. I don't think that bowl is going to make it to the convention. I sent the candy to you. I mailed it yeah. to you, which is a big mistake. Big mistake, especially Alex, because I'm just making the tricked. bowl out of chocolate. <laughs> you got fooled, Alex, by Pete. People like candy. Sure. But Pete got you to buy him candy is what happened here. Right, not, why, don't get, why don't we get into these? Because we do have so many of them. I, I want to start off with a, a longer one. This is from Sater, Saber MC Funk on Instagram. Wait, lingering, first off, fantastic handle. Love it. All right, there we go. So lingering question <laughs> and a thought for the podcast. Why didn't Jason come back? I would guess it's because he died twice or because he was sacrificed to Moloch. But I'd love to know what you guys think. I think the ending of the series with an homage to our town 
One of the most famous and iconic mm-hmm. American plays makes a lot of sense. This feels especially true when you consider how referential Riverdale has been since its inception, whether you count the pilot or Archie's weird fantasy. Riverdale has always been a commentary on Americana, whether that's by paying homage to classics, cult media, or just the culture as a whole, finishing up with a vulnerable, sincere moment of reflection through the lens of one of America's most beloved plays feels utterly inevitable. It's the ultimate high art meets low art in a campy homage, which is truly what Riverdale loves to do and Roberto in general, especially when looking at his earliest works. Thanks for a great podcast. I really love the show and I hope people come to appreciate it in time. Cheryl Blossom forever. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, Well, what do you guys think about that? Lots of stuff in there to start off with. Why don't you think Jason came back? Uh, I mean, the show, he was never, he was not part of the show. His, His death is what sort of prompted the show. But he's not uh, part of it, I think. And also, I think the whole point of this final season was about, you know, moving on from the the sins and the darkness of the town, getting into larger issues. Jason's death was something that was uh, tragic, Jason, Jason's murder. And, uh, and I think the town had sort of bigger fish to fry when it came to issues they were dealing with rather than just a murder story. So I feel like bringing him back is a weirdly in conflict with everything they were doing. Uh, first off, how dare you? Uh, Jason's death was a huge part of the show, especially when it comes to Cheryl. Uh, you know, what's your favorite you, thing about Jason? Um, the fact Blossom. that, yeah, exactly, he's dead. Uh, yeah, the fact that he's dead. Mm-hmm. Well, then you got your wish because he never existed in the 1950s. Yeah, I mean, I can understand what, what they're saying is it would have been nice to kind of maybe do a bookend kind of thing with Jason dying, maybe uh, Jason coming back at the end or something like that. Where um, he's born. <laughs> yeah, Jason's born. Jason. Jason born. born? Jason born. <laughs> That's great how you guys Holy came out to Jason that. Jason born. I think, first of all, just on a technical level, it was probably actor availability in the production logistics, and that's the whole reason for it. Or alternately, they got enamored of this idea of what if we change things a little bit for the 1950s, shake it up so we know it's kind of a different reality. Things are a little different with Julian instead of Jason. But I do think you're right in a certain sense. I agree with you, Justin, in terms of Jason Blossom's death, as we found out over the course of the show, wasn't actually the original Sin of Riverdale, but at least in terms of the show, the way we were watching it, it was. So if Jason came back in this final season, there's a sense of, oh, everything is all right here, you know, versus not everything is all right. There's still things to fix. There's still problems to solve. I think it's, you know, Jason lives, he comes back uh, and it's like a puppet master situation where he has mm-hmm. Jillian, uh, who is, is kind of like a puppet slash minion and he kind of like murders. Uh, what if Jason and, uh, killed him, killed Julian in Vietnam? Well, dude. <laughs> I, I want to hear more about that fan theory. <laughs> I have uh, a whole fan there. fic you can check out. Absolutely. It's really, really intense. There's a lot of PTSD. Why don't we move on to another one? This is from Eric Lee, 31561. Well, also, just to talk about the art town of it oh, all. Yeah. I mean, I do think that that's a great call out, an interesting shout out. I'm sure it had to do with rights or something, but... I mean, I think that would have been an interesting choice. They did a lot of great musical stuff. I thought this last season specifically did a great job with some real nice musical moments. 
Uh, as someone who's not a huge fan of musicals, I was very moved by it, but that might have been real interesting. Yeah, I mean, honestly, instead of musical episodes, maybe they should have done dramatic play episodes. Like, they could have done Death mm. of the Salesman Whoa. and just done little monologues from it or something. Oh, Twelve man. Angry Men. Uh, definitely, yeah. People love a dramatic uh, number, <laughs> as <laughs> it were. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, I, I think I think yeah. the, the Americana point um, that uh, that question had in it, I thought it was really, that is what the show sort of became. And that's what I was mentioning earlier. And and I think it is a great, it's a great reference and something that I think has been in the show the whole time. And they really highlighted it in this final season. Okay. Eric Lee, three, one, five, six, one on Twitter, the characters that never showed despite being there for the comet. I know Heather was going back to Greendale, but what happened to Moose, Britta, Anthony and characters that were dead prior to season seven oh, wow. being Britta. brought back to life, like Midge and Dilton and Julian being alive. And as a follow-up from somebody else, LNW5678 on Twitter asks, what happened to the cat? Oh. Toffee. Toffee. Toffee we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a question that if after the strike, um, if we can get some time with Roberto, I think we really, because as we know in our interview with him earlier, he established that the cat briefcase mm-hmm. is canon. Mm-hmm. So I think we just need to follow up and find out where Toffee's briefcase ended up, if that is something that uh, maybe we should uh, look at that final, to Hollywood. That well, final shot in Pop's diner. I'm sure there's a briefcase in there. Somewhere, well, that's right? the thing about uh, deleted scenes, because I heard that there was a scene where Tabitha went back in time and got the cat, um, you know, right after uh, they had kind of just left the cat there. So I think it was just one of those things where they didn't have time for everything and it just got cut out. You know what I mean? Do you think they opened the briefcase up and the cat was just a skeleton in there? No, that's not, that defeats the whole point of a calf briefcase. Yeah, true. Like I said, it's a, it's a finite, uh, it's a world where the cat is always uh, feeding. And if you don't know, it's a, a, a cat briefcase is where the front half of the briefcase is food and the back half of the briefcase is kitty litter. So mm-hmm. the cat is in a perfectly closed environment. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we should also mention that somebody sent us a video on TikTok where they invented this already, the cat yeah. briefcase for real. So there you go. Uh, what about these other characters, though? Heather, like they say, went back to Greendale. Uh, what about Moose, Britta, and the biggest one is Baby Anthony, who completely ceases to exist. Like, I, we talked about this a bit. I love the idea that Fangs and Midge were going to have Baby Anthony, or we got to see Cheryl and Tony with a baby later on, who potentially could have been Baby Anthony. But, it was Dale. But it was Dale. It was not. So Anthony... Got big and then ceased to exist. That's a that's a real big thing. Happens. Unfortunately, well, I, I think those us. characters those characters were very, I think, germane to the plot of season six. So it makes sense they weren't you know main story core story characters, except of course for Moose. And I do agree. It's strange that Moose wasn't mm-hmm. brought back. That's the I, one. I have that I was to like, imagine it would complicate the Kevin Clay relationship a little bit. Would be my guess. Well, but they. Kevin and Moose were already like far apart. And honestly, it would have maybe given Kevin a good counterpoint to be like, oh, here's a bad version of a relationship where it's a secret. It's never really working. And Clay, Clavin being a good version of a relationship mm-hmm. for him where they do, they find love and are able to be with each other. So I don't know. I guess also Moose became sort of like this player where he would just pop up in different places and die and all sorts of things. So it's sort of like he's a little complicated, maybe as a as a core character. 
I would also throw out there, this is total fan theory based on literally nothing, but we find out that Nana was resurrected multiple times. I got to assume Britta was part of that at some point, right? Like she oh, you assume? To, you, you have, have to assume. assume? You have to assume. out of the show, 100%. No doubt in my mind. So you're saying not, Nana Rose was reincarnated as a Britta? Either as Britta or was friends with Britta in some some version of the timeline. Fill in the blanks, a, I don't know. Just another great bit of fanfic that we can look forward from Alex <laughs> I mean, that's Tumblr. all this podcast is at this point, let's be honest. Pitching fanfic. Let's move on to another one. This is Janelle on Instagram sent us, why do you think the writers chose not to return to the present timeline or even the timeline before the initial time jump to the future? The fans clearly wanted it. Was it logistical or a deliberate story choice? I think they got all the letters that I sent saying stay in the 1950s and they made the choice that I had pitched. And I guess I I just sent more letters than Pete. I sent more letters than Pete. Great news for you. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't have all the money for stamps that you did. Um, oh, you got to up your stamps budget, dude. Yeah, yeah, I got to get in that forever game. I, I just think it's one of those things where, um, yeah, they made a choice and went with it. And I'm, I, you know, it would have been nice if we did, we got a little less time in the 50s. But, you know, we're not in charge of the show and there's mm-hmm. things going on that we don't understand. So whatever. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I hear that. It would have been... Uh, would have been cool. A little bit more present day time would have been cool. I mean, listen. Well, I, uh, oh, go ahead, Justin, please. I was going to say, I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I much preferred that they stayed in the 50s because. Unpopular. Unpopular on this podcast, perhaps unpopular in the larger life podcast. Agreed. Not podcast. Life is just one long podcast. But uh, I think that it allowed them to make more social commentary by having that distance from the present day America. And this season, it felt like about like sort of talking about growing up and talking about be growing up in a conservative society. If they did it in present day, it would have been harder to make those points, I think. And uh, and you need a little distance to really do good sort of satire. And and I think the 1950s stuff worked really well for that. Yeah. I'll say that running bit of inventing things, you know, in the Mm -hmm. fifties that already exist, which was man worth it all. I, oh, (laughs) Pete is frowning and nodding. No, just so it's not, just so it's clear on this audio podcast. That means he's being sarcastic. It was when he frowns. Mm -hmm. So, we talked about this a lot before the season. I had interviewed Roberto for my day job, and he had said, "No, Flex. we're not. We're absolutely not going to be in the 1950s the entire season." Um, so something changed at some point, but that's okay. I think everything, every season, something changed, and on every TV show, something changes. So to sort of split the difference here in terms of was it logistical or a deliberate story choice, pure speculation. Of course, there's logistics that come into it in terms of changing over set and budget and time to shoot stuff that always plays into literally absolutely everything. But in terms of deliberate story choice, I I understand what you're saying here, but there's not accidental things that they're doing. They're making choices and then they're going with them. You know, it's not like, oops, we ran out of time. What are we going to do? You know, they planned ahead. There was the writer's strike, which probably put a crunch on writing, certainly. But that just crunches you to make choices and that's what they went with and their choice was to stay here the entire time i also think you know they maybe fell in love with the stories Mm -hmm. that they were telling and the way the characters were because like i said throughout this whole season like i feel like we got the most fully developed versions of all these characters 
in the fifties, weirdly. And because of that, it was like, why are we going to jump forward and inject all of this uncertainty back into the show when you do the time jump forward, when we can just ride this out and really like use what we have on the table right now. And I think it makes a ton of sense. I heard the fifties found out that uh, they weren't going to spend the whole season there. And then they kind of cornered them. We're like, Hey, what's the Zaire you leave in the fifties? Yeah, the 50s Nobody just called. Leaves. They said, you suck. Something like that, Pete. Yeah, yeah. Gonna... Okay, nice. They fit the 50s calls and they said, you're not the bee's knees, Pete. Oh, man. In your face. Oof. All right, let's That's get into the biggest this one. Insult. Uh, Tabitha Jones on Twitter says, Tabitha's, Tabitha's mistreatment this season needs to be discussed. So let's talk about this mm-hmm. one very briefly. If... You have a problem with Tabitha's storyline, the way that it played out over the course of the season. Absolutely. Fair game. 100% talk about it. But I will say, without getting into it too much, in terms of Aaron Westbrook being on the show or not, not our story to tell, not our thing to talk about, but it's not nefarious is what I think I could say. Like, there's no ill doing here. Like, there's been a lot of conspiracy theories about it. So without saying too much what i express to fans is is fine as far as i know on that end in terms of the story itself would i have wanted to see more tabitha absolutely tabitha's great we love tabitha loved the jabitha beginning loved slash heartbroken about the jabitha ending would have loved more of an arc there over the course of the season that would have been fantastic but in terms of the outside factors not an issue again, as far as we're aware. Is that fair to say? And we've got to move on from that unless. Uh, yes. I don't e- even know a lot of what you're even talking about. So, um, <laughs> so then that makes total sense to, to me, but I, I would just add one thing. Like I feel like Tabitha and Jughead ended up getting some of the most romantic scenes of the series. E- even though we didn't get to see a lot of Tabitha, I feel like what we did get was really nicely done uh i i felt like tabitha was a powerhouse and you know in uh one of the fans reached out to me and they're like b you didn't like the 50s what what would you have done and you know i so i wrote out an outline and uh you know tabitha um you know really embraces her powers and kind of becomes a more bigger part of the show but then because she's an angel realizes that Bughead needs to fight crime for Riverdale to kind of move forward. Uh, so, you know, they come up with a better solution where she's a huge part of the show and shares adventures with people um, because in my version, she's more powered up, but, um, you know, realizes that Bughead <laughs> has to exist so that uh, crime fighting at a level uh, of, of a FBI stature can can also exist. You know what I mean? So, but I, I definitely think that... Um, you know, Tabitha was definitely robbed, and uh, you know it can be it can be tough. Robitha, uh, that's a truly crazy answer that you just said. Uh, but, but let me also say it reminds me that if P ever becomes a billionaire and he goes back and Taylor Swift style does Pete's versions of all of these Riverdale seasons. Oh man, yeah. And he he bribes everyone to go back and remake this season. Then we'll truly see. Have a vision of what this madman thinks about Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why don't we move on? This is from Kelly DeShelley on Instagram. Which character did you think had the biggest character development and why? Let's say uh, for the entire series, who had the biggest character development? I mean, I said 
said this on our last couple of podcasts, but Betty all day, air day, like she became the, the, I, this sounds saying. like a joke, but I mean it seriously. She's the Archie of this show. Uh, and that's what this, this final season for sure was about. But I think you could extend that arc across the whole series. She's the character that goes through the most uh, change, like large scale changes. Archie changes a lot sort of in a specific zone, but Betty goes through the largest changes, I think, and feels like the character that ended up being the real avatar for the show. I, yeah, I'd like to just say Shoney. Uh, I, I wanted more Shoney and we got more Shoney. And That's the Shoney, two people. And the Shoney that we got was great. And um, I, I do think that uh, we got to see a lot of different versions of Tony, but um, the, with the final season, like what she did and said and was about was really very powerful and touching and cool. And also like seeing Cheryl's journey, uh, you know, unfortunately uh, shunned away from the Shoney action. But then finally uh, we having Shoney, I think, was a nice was a nice arc. I mean, because you think about all the things that Cheryl has been through. Um, uh, it's it's been a lot. Shoney yeah. shunned. I agree with both of those. I was trying to think if I had a different answer, but honestly, a lot of the other characters had development, but only some development or stayed kind of flat for long spaces of time. But yeah, Betty, they just let her grow and change exponentially and explore so many different emotions. And Cheryl, same sort of thing, going from the mean girl in episode one to being in a loving, committed relationship with a also, child. Also, like Vigilante Cheryl was awesome, too. Don't sure, forget that. Sure, that was Karen. Yeah, let's not forget about that. Yeah, exactly. Archery. Let's not cool. forget Mrs. T also went through a lot of big changes, especially oh God, in the final character. Yes, and Dr. Curdle Jr., huge character arc. Mackenzie, yeah. um, the, the hot, the hot dog, age, Jughead's hot dog agent, also huge changes. <laughs> <laughs> I need the pages. He went from <laughs> I need the pages to he didn't need pages anymore. That's enormous. What? Come on. That's huge, no, that's I mean, he still core. needed the pages, but he didn't want them from Jughead. So big changes. Wow. Mackenzie right. L. Burns on Twitter says, what do you guys think? I thought this one was really interesting. What do you guys think about how they made Riverdale a ghost town? After we had technically three seasons about fighting for their future and when they are gone, season five, saving them from ruin, Hiram's clutches, season six against Percival, Bailey's comet, season seven about choices that impact the future. And then I think what they're talking about is that final montage, that goodnight Riverdale thing that Betty does, where we just see all of the empty sets leading up to Pops, which has like a tumbleweed in front of it. What do you think about that? Like initially I sort of... Well, pushed away from it, being like, now nah, what are you talking about? We just saw Pops. We don't know what's going on, but we kind of do know. It does seem like the town is abandoned in 2023. Well, that kind of brings up an interesting point, because what happens when you leave your hometown? You know what I mean? I assume everybody just goes somewhere else and was like, all right, well, there's no need to be here anymore. So when <laughs> Betty, uh, Archie, wow. Veronica, Pete admitting huge the- main character syndrome, right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> everybody just uh, kind of uh, goes home. You know, I, no, I, I, it is a weird thing where it was, and I didn't realize it at the time. But all those kind of flashes, that montage, it was this kind of ghost town. It was this thing of like. Uh, used to be full of joy and people and now only dust bunnies and uh, tumbleweeds. So, yeah, at the time I didn't realize it, but uh, now it's like that. that is weird. Although it it looked like Pops was open when Betty died in front of it. So at least 
They closed down after the, after Betty's death there. They were yeah, like, after <laughs> you find a body in your parking lot, you know, that's kind of it for you, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, think that, think, Justin? I think the point of it was about youth and moving, growing up, you can't go back. Everything, sort of a version of what you're saying, actually, Pete. You can't really go back to your childhood when you're a kid. And those are the formative moments. You so can't like even everything... uh, go back to Chuck E. Cheese. They won't let you in. You know what I mean? No, that's like, just you, Pete. They won't let they, you in. You they won't. That's in. you. Other people can go back to Chuck E. Cheese, but you can't because of what you did. <laughs> because of what you did. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail your point. No, totally. But just let's just say that Chuck E. Cheese in Rochester, New York, underneath the in the cheese holes underneath the stage, <laughs> Pete committed a series <laughs> of horrifying crimes. <laughs> um, no, but I think that was the point. Like those buildings are empty. There's just it's just mem- the nature of memory. You reduce everything down to its its core things, and so those were the empty buildings they were walking through. And Pops is the only place that really has life in it. I think because that's where a they go when they're dead to the diner. It's heaven. Yep. But it is the it is like the the place where all their memories are. So it's more vivid. It's more. It's where they truly grew up. I think. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, just to finish this off, put a little pin on it. I think it's the difference between what you're saying, which is the metaphor that they were playing with versus wait, if you think about it literally, like Mackenzie L. Burns was saying, oh, no, the town's abandoned. They fell. Oops. But also they saved the town and then they moved on to other things. So it's okay. This is from Blanket Juice on Instagram. Who's all of your top three favorite Parentdale characters? So if the parents Ooh, on the I'm show. I'm sorry. Did you say blanket juice? Blanket like juice. juice. Juice you get from a blanket? Yeah. Oh, hmm. I love to start the day with some blanket juice. <laughs> oh, man. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> top three Paradell characters. Who's your top three? Pete, we could just say Luke Perry at the top, obviously. I think obviously, that's number yeah, one. He goes at the top without ranking anybody else, though. Of the other two slots, who goes in there? Who is in your... Mount Rushmore of parent characters on Riverdale. Uh, what's the dude who drove away in a motorcycle? FP? FP? FP's up there for what? sure. What's the dude? Week. It's been a week, Pete. <laughs> look, Pete, you're, look, you're, your halls of Riverdale are fading in your mind. It's just yep. it's dust bunnies rolling through. Pete's going to be dead uh, in the back of the car that is this podcast. By the <laughs> it's 100% right. What a fitting way to go. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say FP. And, and Alice, F, F Palace are the two mm-hmm. uh, mm. two final form of the the parent deal. Yeah, I could agree with that. One thing that I really kind of missed in this final season, this is off the question, but reminded me of it, is just like that iconic hot dads of Riverdale moment with yeah. Fred and Tom and FP coming in. I missed that. Like I missed the parent deal aspect of Riverdale in these final seasons. I understand Dude. why it wasn't there anymore. What? Well, but Dude, like, there's Molly Ringwald, there's Robin Givens. I mean, there's like, for whatever hot dance you throw Nichols, out there. Yeah, like, yeah. Mark Consuelos. Yeah, there's, uh, dude, I could match you. Dr. Curdle Sr. Remember him? <laughs> Very underappreciated character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's lots of them, but I, I think that's good. I think Alice, FP, and Fred. That's good Mount Rushmore right there. Let's get into some big stuff that the fan base has been losing their minds over over the past Mm. week or so in the theory. I want to read 
two different but connected theories, two opposite but connected theories here. The first mm. one is from Nat Lucia on Twitter, says Barchi's Alzheimer theory is hitting. How does she know where Archie wanted to be buried if they weren't all in touch? The photo frame she kept, who does that? I'll explain all this in a second if you don't know. Jughead didn't tell her about Archie. How did she know but had to be told about everybody else? And then Dragonbait Zero on Twitter says, theory about Bughead reconnecting while both are living, working similar jobs in New York City, leading them to become the special friends that they are in the finale. And also Varchi with both in California. Plus, they never clarified if Ronnie ended up with anyone unlike everyone else. So just to get through this, because there's way too much material, but people have been like, Piecing apart screenshots, yeah, particularly particularly 86-year-old Betty, there's two things in her room at home. One is a heart frame of Archie, of young Archie in her room. And then the other one is that she has a Statue of Liberty memorabilia, which people have pointed out, if she's in New York, why does she have a, like, I remember the Statue of Liberty. That's a weird thing to have. So their theory is the reason that she remembers Archie's wife and is telling him this is because she's Archie's wife. She's the one mm. who married him. Maybe she doesn't mem- remember because she's old, but she is telling him his whole life or giving it to him simply, but she's really talking about herself, whether she knows it or not. But the opposite end of the spectrum is that second part well, of the Well, let's theory. just hold on right there and be like, oh, no, okay. it's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh he has something that. to say. Just, Let him finish. Let him finish. I want to throw out one last part of the theory. I want to throw out one last part of that theory. Um, I wasn't gonna. I was gonna say this till later, but an anonymous person on Tumblr hit me up and said, "I need you guys to talk about Archie giving Betty a strawberry milkshake, which is his favorite." And so the implication that people are taking away there, because of that, in the final scene, he says, "Here you go, strawberry, your favorite." When going back to original seasons, strawberry was Archie's favorite, and vanilla was Betty's favorite. Is that that to them is a subtle indicator that Barchi is afterlife endgame? There you no. go, take it away. Uh, well, first off, oh, no. let's address the biggest <laughs> thing no. first, the milkshake. So when it comes to milkshakes, you know, there's they a lot of places. the boys to the yard. Is that what you're going to Yes. Hear? That's yeah, what Pete was going to say. Some places do certain flavors better, right? And we all know that Pops does, you know, a variety of milkshakes. But the strawberry one, especially if you haven't been there in like 80 years, the strawberry one is the one you want to get after a while. So, yeah, don't read into that. But remember that Pops is chained to his uh, kitchen <laughs> for all of the time in his own personal hell. So right. I feel like all the milkshakes are sort of uh, uh, the platonic ideal of whatever milkshake. Also, she didn't get to order. It was a free one. So, of course, Archie's going to order his favorite in case she doesn't yeah, want he, it and he it, can drink it. Totally. If you watch the scene, there's like a mild look of disgust on her face. Yeah. She's like, oh, strawberry. No, thank yeah, you. Strawberry. Vanilla is I, my didn't, I didn't order it, so I can't say no. Right. I will say the stuff. here. I consider strawberry milkshakes to be the lowest form of milkshake. So I do think that's sort of a hell in a lot of ways. I agree. To have to go to heaven and you get the wrong milkshake. Oh, my God. Yeah, maybe that's what they said, heaven. But it's actually, you know, when you get the wrong milkshake, it's vanilla, chocolate or a mix or that's it. That's how you go. That's what? what are you talking about? Strong black and chocolate. white shake. Black that, and white shake. That's with vanilla and chocolate. Yes, a mix. That's what. Black that's for white. people that can't decide. Pete, grow up and make a call. Oh my God! <laughs> How dare you? Do you want to talk about this Barchi theory, Justin? Uh, yes, I do. I. I mean, I love that stuff. I think the the idea that they're afterlife endgame, I think is is really nice. And like for whatever relationship 
they had in their life and we don't their lives. We don't really know. I I do think I take the show at its word with what happened in their earthly lives. But I also do think that that they are endgame. Like Archie always will love Betty the most, their first love. Same Betty and Archie. So I think that moment with the milkshake is actually the biggest indicator that they are sort of tied together for all of time. Living out their lives, their infinite lives. It's just a milkshake, Pete. Yeah. It's just a milkshake. Let me see yeah. what like cockamamie theory you're about to say in one second. <laughs> well, and tell me that's just a milkshake. <laughs> well, let's turn it over to you then, Pete, because the other theory is that Betty and Jughead, both in magazine publishing, both ostensibly in New York, as far as we know. Yeah, thank you. I got Veronica, it from here. I got it from oh, here. I don't need here. more later. Uh, no, I thank wasn't you. trying to so explain to you. The <laughs> Statue of Liberty is what happened is um, Betty was doing a story and Jughead just needed to blow off some steam, so they both ended up at the Statue of Liberty together at the same time. Yeah. And, and let me just say, sorry recondi- to interrupt you, Pete, but as a New Yorker, I'm always blowing off steam at the Statue. Of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, like when I want to chill, I just pop. Over and not to give more credence to your theory, but both of their favorite movies, as established, is Ghostbusters Two, Jughead and Betty. They love that. Movie. Yep. Their first yeah, date no. was going to see Ghostbusters Two, I believe, famously. Yeah. And so, they were like, I love this one better than the first Ghostbusters is what they said. <laughs> right, Pete? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to read it in a milkshake, I'll read into the Statue of Liberty. I mean, whatever. kind of a strawberry milkshake is sort of like the pink ooze in Ghostbusters 2, which is lending even more credence to this bughead theory. Oh, my God. Uh, I think the <laughs> idea that the, the idea that Betty and Jughead had a secret relationship. I just wish if that was what the show was trying to tell us, I th- think they would point a little bit more toward that. Here's you know what I mean? Here's what I think. I don't think the show was trying to tell us any of this stuff, but it was allowing the room for us to interpret all of this stuff. And what I mean by that is They've I been think playing with more... our emotions since day one. Well, but I think, okay, this is obviously we haven't talked to Roberto Giascasa about this, but I think like there were specific choices made, right? But there's a lot of moments that are left open to your interpretation. I'm always a big fan of when the writer makes a choice writes towards that choice, but ultimately leaves it over to the audience to decide. And that's what I felt here, is they were going for something, there were specific thoughts put here, but things like, we talked a little bit about the moment on the bench where Betty and Jughead are talking about, did you ever regret not yeah, getting circled? That moment, Jughead yeah. looks at her and says, sometimes, and then they hold hands, and there's a little bit of the Bughead theme. Like, that could indicate to you that he always wanted to be with her. It could indicate yep. to you that... Uh, they did get together at some point and some things happened in the intervening years. But ultimately, that's up for you, the viewer, to fill in the same way that that beautiful scene with Betty and Archie at Thornhill can really indicate that, yes, this is Alzheimer ridden Betty who doesn't remember talking about his strong, sweet wife who is her and they are kissing. Or it could be they are always meant for each other, but ultimately real life is drawing them away and they get back together in the afterlife. It's whatever you want to take out of it's it. Not the, it's fine. not the notebook situation where it's like, But it you could know, be. But like that's the thing be. is literally any of these things are true and it's whatever you want to take from it. None of them are wrong. And I think that's great. Like whatever you brings you joy, whatever sparks joy and you're watching of the Riverdale finale, take that and run with it. You are correct. 100%. Right, but I would just say that I'm the most correct when it comes to Barchi Afterlife Endgame. The only other theory I'll contend is that Archie finally got together with that bear in the afterlife. If you look oh, in the man. background, mm-hmm. there's like a brown 
They should have had that. The they should have had that in one of the booths as Betty was walking and saying hi to everybody, just a bear. Oh, it was just a bear. <laughs> bear with a milkshake. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, strawberry. Yeah. Pine cone? Straw, Pine straw cone strawberry. Strawberry. Your favorite there. Yeah. Let's crack this. All right. Why don't we move on to something else? It's from Darkwing J. The rest of them are from Twitter, so I'll just say not say Twitter anymore. I had a question they never answered. What do you think Alice's possible estranged folks were like? They never did a flashback about Alice's home life and why she was a serpent and also why she hated a storm drain was because she didn't want to go home. I forgot about that storm drain thing, but what do you guys think? Would you have wanted to see Alice home life flashback episode? Let's back up the truck. Do you think Darkwing is a reference to Darkwing Duck or a different kind of reference? Pete, you're a strange conspiracy theorist because you find (laughs) the conspiracies in very low stakes things. Well, either way, cool tag, uh, cool handle. Cool tag. What do you guys think, think, though? Would we why do you think we never got backstory on Alice? I mean, we got backstory. Yeah, uh, because I think I think we wanted to know about Alice as the person because mm-hmm. she was she was you know one step away from Betty. If we got into a whole separate thing about her, where she's sort of the the main character, I think it's starting to lose its point as being the person who influences Betty, the character. Yeah. That we, Care about it's things. like when your mom starts to tell you stuff she did before you were there. You're like, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, it's really just about what's happening now and moving forward. So, you know, no, no. I think that the. Wait, Pete, your, your mom's like, hey, I was in a, a motorcycle gang. And you'd be like, mom, stop talking. I'm yeah. trying to drink this mixed up black and white milkshake. I can't like, make a decision. my snack pack? I don't understand. Uh, no, I just think it's one of those things where um, we got. I agree with you. The focus had to be kind of on what we were dealing with in the relationship uh, between mother and daughter. And the fact that, you know, which I really love that this season did was giving her uh, uh, this kind of stewardess uh, dream uh, realized and all that kind of stuff was really great and nice. And, um, yeah, I just think there's only so much time and only so many things you can do. And, uh, you know. I, I agree. It just would have uh, it would have been cool for sure. But, you know, m- maybe we wouldn't have gotten uh, people in the walls. And, you know, so, you know, what are you going to cut out of the show? Well, that's what I was going to say is like given the choice between like tragic storm drain backstory for Alice or Alice landing a fucking airplane in a storm. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to choose landing the airplane, airplane. all day. Yeah. day. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> All right, why don't we move on to two more linked questions. These are big ones, so I hope you're ready. VCeleb1C says, which season was your favorite? And Mm. Selgo Bangtan says, can you give us your rankings of the seasons? Oh, dang. Maybe be two, three, seven, one, four, six, five. Dang. There you go. That's all you just, you had I couldn't even emotionally react to that order. Mm. That was just a lot. So favorite seasons, what do you guys think? You, I, you know I, I'm picking seven. Yeah, seven is seven 100%. Number seven number one. I really enjoyed just how you far. You recent biased mother. You, all of that. The characters, we got to find out what happened to them in their, their full stories. Like I definitely season seven. I, if I had to just do it off the top of my head, I would probably go uh, seven, three, two, Five one six, seven three two five one six. Okay, 
I would just go whatever season Bughead was happening is the best and everything else is below it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> cool. I, I'd have to think about this a bit more because it keeps yeah. jumping back and forth for me. But, man, I don't know. I, seven's, seven might be number one, honestly, as well. Yeah, there it, it is. Be. No, it come be. on, dude. I, I think Recent I'll put season one number one. Because that's just like mm. I that hooked us all. It Come hooked on. us all. Season seven, number two. Good. I think I'd put season two at number third. three. Yeah, and then season three after that. That one is risen in my estimation as just I love a three. wild fever dream of a season. Yeah, and then after that, I don't know. It's a little bit of a tie between four and five. I think there's really good things about both and things that. Oh, I, I didn't think I even ranked four. <laughs> uh, I would just go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, because that way mm. you can follow the storyline and it oh, makes sense. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. The AP, uh, great news. That's the way we watch them. So it got slowly worse for you over time. That's right. right yeah. Cool. Well, I, just like life. I will say yeah, I put exactly. season six at the bottom, which I'm finding out is kind of a minority opinion. I think there's a lot of people that loved season six. Well, and I would say I would almost want to slice off Rivervale from season mm-hmm. six because I actually loved Rivervale. And yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying that I don't like season six. You I like season six. Yeah. It's just the most chaotic season. And I think based on six, seven. No, well, I, I think, think it's, it's accurate, though. Even see, season three is a fever dream, but it like sort of has this nightmare logic to it. Season six is like, what? Yeah. oh my God, so much is happening right now. So I would slice off Rivervale and put it, let me, let me do it again. I think seven, three, two, one, four, which I didn't rank before, five, or sorry, I got to put Rivervale after one. I'm already mm. confused. And then, and then six, yeah. Yeah, this is good. This is good for audio format, is what I think it is. All right, well, yeah, let's we just count on? numbers. They just count numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There you go. You got it right, Pete. G Trembley C says, "Is the Jughead who takes Betty back in time the same one who waits for her in heaven with the others?" Because I got confused seeing him with his friends inside Pops and at the same time narrating outside. Or are they details that I should let go for my mental health? <laughs> Definitely the latter for yeah. sure. Because well, we're not if, gonna have we're gonna throw our theories, but we're not gonna have a the definitive answer, I don't think. There's also a jughead out there who's like manically creating stories. So not anymore. They got rid exist. of all of the other timelines. So this timeline is now the only timeline. Well, how could that be if there's two jugheads then? That's what the that's what we're talking about. That's the that's question. what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm almost saying like it, yeah, there. It's. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't well, even what's know. your theory, I Justin? Think, I think the Jughead who walks Betty through is like sort of an echo or like a god figure, a Tabitha or an angel? angel, another version of a Tabitha. I don't angel? think it's a Tabitha because a Tabitha sort of was also Tabitha. This, this Jughead was at least one step removed from an actual Jughead. He felt much more like sort of a guide, a spirit guide, if you will. If you want to put like uh, the like a coyote in in sort of other religious That views. Simpsons episode? Yeah, that's that's what I that's the religion I believe in is that yep. one Simpsons episode. Uh but I think in the Jughead in the diner was the sort of soul of Jughead. 
This the other Jughead is the narrator narrator voiceover Jughead or no, this is a different. Yes, that's the narrator telling the story, the sort of if the show has a God for the seven seasons we watched it, it's the Jughead narrator voice who's telling the story of Riverdale. I keep going back and forth, honestly. And the thing that hiccups me a little bit is Riverdale obviously plays fast and loose with its mythology. But one of the things that established in season six is everybody has their tied together but own sweet hereafters where they get their ideal ending after they die and everybody else is there and they're kind of like you were saying, Justin, these echoes of each other. But like Archie has his idyllic family life with Betty and their two kids and he's living in Riverdale and having a lovely time. But at the same time, Betty is out there and presumably if Betty had died in season six, she didn't, she would have had her own sweet hereafter as well. So there's an argument to be made. I think that when Betty dies in this final episode and goes into Pops, that's her sweet hereafter. And it's not actually everybody greeting her. It's all of her friends. It's their essences, but it's just Betty there in her own personal heaven because that's what she wanted. I I don't like that theory because it doesn't make me happy, but that's just my thought. Well, I just want to quickly wait, 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 just real quick. I just want to say uh, in response to that, Alex, if you have the hiccups, try to scare yourself or something. Oh, yeah. No, I rub my ears and I drink a glass of water. Um, Rub your ears. (laughs) It works. Weirdly, rub the back of your ears. I run screaming down the streets for like one or two miles. Smart. Usually clears it up. Yeah. The what I was going to say is I think the point of that final scene is that all of their sweet hereafters are the same. Mm-hmm. That they all sort of their ideal life spot is at Pops. So it actually is them. It's just there happens to be a crop. Yeah, so, I agree. And I agree. Like you're saying, I think there's also an argument to be made that the angel Tabitha is kind of also the angel Jughead. Like he's literally credited as yeah. angel Jughead. So I think there's a way here where they split the difference where Jughead, the real Jughead, Ends up in the afterlife with all of his friends, with Betty and Veronica and Archie and everything else and Pops. But also Jughead gets to be with Tabitha and they're off being angels together at the same time. So get everything that you want. At the we end. all know angels are sh- shapeshifters. So. Mm-hmm. Totally. What? What'd you say? I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> Abigail Blossoms uh, says, Dale was conceived through the power of soulmates and genetic witchery. No donor necessary. I think that's correct. I think we could just sort of like say, yes, absolutely. That's how we get Yeah, that's how you get flying oh. babies. Yeah, but it was witchcraft. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was uh, two lady witchcraft, 100%. Do you have an alternate yeah. theory? That, no, never mind. I'm fine. <laughs> that's how you can tell. Never seen if it's Alex a regular, so heated. Yeah. It, that's how you can tell if it's a regular baby or a witchcraft baby is if you put it near a fire and it starts to float. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they should have done that with Dale, 100%. Emily. Yeah, definitely don't babysit for me, Pete. But I would <laughs> say, I mean, I the sort oh, of. Oh, I'm a trusty babies if I'm babysitting. Yeah. Who's yes, joking, by the way? But say what you want. I was going to say that um, if they were to. Um, to make that baby with um, a, a sperm donation, which is, you know, biologically how babies are made. Spoiler. I don't think so. Um, who who would they pick from the the show? Oh, my God. What? From the show? I, yeah, like who, who, what who's other the, who's person? the daddy? Yeah. Um, um, I keep assume, in mind Fangs. Fangs is Well, dead. I was going to say in his last moments, 
In his last moments, they probably got to. Oh, God. I'm, was, keep no, in mind, I'm this is four weeks I'm after the show. This is like 1956, <laughs> yeah. maybe. I should stop. And they're like, yeah. don't stop. follow this. Okay. Yes, please. All right, I'll stop. Thank you. How much of the, is he really smashed up, Dr. Curdle? Dr. Curdle, <laughs> don't worry. I, I got some of that. I got some of the good stuff. Yeah, save this for, I don't know, 20 years, something like that. We'll see. Uh, Kevin, or maybe it was Kevin or Clay. Maybe they, they worked out a thing. That's nice. Yeah, something like that. Maybe it's a shouts out to the fans of Madeline Petch who want her to be in Evelyn Hugo. Maybe it was a whole Evelyn Hugo situation. Spoilers for that book. There you go. Nice. People, the know. people know what I'm talking about. This is from Emily WOF fan page. Were Tom Keller and Uncle Frank actually lovers? Yes. I think so. I think I yes. Well, I, I think that's what the show is telling us. I'm surprised. So you're saying the you way- can't hang out in a hotel room and then just make a weird face as somebody shows up. That's that's you know. I Why think were they picking strong- up a hustler named Chick in a hotel room? That's the stronger indicator is them picking <laughs> up a Chick and him killing them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. uh, so, yeah, I think there's a yes on that. This is from PLC Peggy. Didn't need the show to make sense. Love what they went for at every time. Love that they went for it every time and truly leaned into the noir vibe. We'll miss it. Agreed. Absolutely. 100%. That's my burner account because I agree completely with nice. that. Nice. Ran okay. Balt Live says, What do you think would have happened if they went back to the modern day? Here, let's go on our mm. fan fiction bed. What would you want it to see? We, Pete. If the last episode or last couple of episodes... Let me just open up my notes here. Oh, boy. Okay. That's written in blood, Pete. What? What is yeah. that? Yeah. Okay, so uh, instead of the 50s, what I would have do is uh, Tabitha... The 1850s. Yeah. No. And uh, see, Tabitha realizes that instead of just giving up and saying she can't do anything by keeping them in the 50s, what she does is she goes and gets... Uh, Sabrina and then Cheryl and then Morg guy, which we all know is some kind of ghoul or goblin. Um, I, I think, uh, they use their combined powers and it becomes like a witch heaven and hell combination. It allows them to, you know, travel back in time. Uh, but just when you think they are not going to do it, Dark Betty shows up and powers them up even more so they can. Uh, to bring them back into present day, because as we all know, if you take somebody out of a po- time period, it all becomes chaos. So you have to put that back in a place so time can exist again. So, yeah, you, me, you would take a lot of your fan day. fiction is about powering people up. What does that, right. what does that mean? <laughs> just giving them that. Extra I just juice. think that we have more power than we know or can understand. Wow. We're really getting deeper too deep even into what uh what about what you justin about though here. what's your big theory if they had actually got back or forward in time i mean it's tough it's tough to think about because i liked so much of the story in in the seventh season to like how they could have done those stories in the present day i don't know what they would what the show would have wanted to cover in that way mm-hmm. um I think it would have been more about the ships. I think it would have been a little bit more of, you know, the way the previous seasons had gone where there's like a more focus on like murder plot and then. Yeah, more Nana Rose. You know what I mean? The the only thing that I would have loved, which would have been nearly impossible from a production perspective, even with what this show could pull off that we talked about, I think 
towards the beginning of the season, is if they spent the last couple of episodes jumping through the decades so that we got mm. a 60s episode, a 70s episode, Ooh. an 80s episode, oh, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That would have been very fun. To your point, I don't know what it necessarily would have accomplished plot or emotion-wise in the same way, but it would have so been a enjoyable. situation. Yeah, it would have been wanted. enjoyable yeah. to watch, exactly. That's my only thing. Uh, this is from Kayla R. Hip. What do you think of each character's ending? Do you think they actually grew out of touch with each other? Or do you think that was just Betty's fleeting memory? I will miss this show so much. I adored it. Oh, well, that's nice. This is getting back to the whole Betty memory thing, which I think is one of the more interesting things about the finale is that we don't actually know what we're seeing. You know, again, it gets back to the interpretation thing, but this is Betty who goes to sleep wakes up in the middle of the night, sees an angel version of Jughead there, and is like, oh, great, you're here. Let's go back to my memory of a day that I wasn't at and then live through that. And then she wakes up in a car and then proceeds to die in the car. So there's a lot of like questions there in terms of, is Betty dreaming this? Is she imagining this? Is she dead the entire time? Um, what do you take away from it in terms of what is the actual truth of what we're watching the episode or not? Well, is, I guess what we're getting at here. That's why I can't eat uh, after nine because that happens to me every time, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's like you can't keep reliving it, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you, you eventually learn uh, better eating habits. Uh, but it is an interesting thing of like, you know, um, <laughs> honestly, I think the show ending is messing up with Pete's life. Pete's brain. Yeah. <laughs> if I, this is the only evidence I've had is the previous 57 minutes of what we've just talked about. Here. But uh, I got to say, there's something wrong in the, the Riverdale of Pete's brain. Yeah. Um, I think, though, Pete, I, I picked up Pete in the car and at, ever since. Uh, the end of Riverdale, he refused to get in the backseat because like yeah. a dog going to the vet, he thinks he's going to his death. Yeah, I, there I, may be truth in that. I do understand that. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as like what's real, what's not. Um, but I, I think it was just a, a, a way, a vehicle to have one last hurrah with everybody. And because of the time passing made the her being so excited to see people that much more powerful. Um, so I do, I do think that it was a, a really fun choice and kind of we, the viewer got to kind of do this last ride uh, in, a, in a way that was uh, meaningful. Um, I, I think I like the way all the characters ended and I, I think it, it is, there's a true, there's a truth there that like the relationships you have when you're young teach you what, love is and so they're always in all of your relationships that's why i think the archie photo on on her nightstand is like just a symbol for whatever love she found in the rest of her life there was always a piece of archie in it so like i i believe that they all went their separate ways but still held on to each other and the show tells us that they still even though they lost touch as adults their their best moments emotionally were when they were young and that's why they end up back at pops um in heaven I'm just thankful that most of them lived to be old enough to log into Facebook and probably share some insane conspiracy theories, like just absolutely messed up, crazy, yeah. off-the-wall conspiracy theories where it's the sort of thing they were old enough where you'd be like, that's not true. What are you talking yeah, did, about? Why did you see what Dilton posted? Real quick, since they lived long enough, which of these characters do you think voted for Trump? Let's just go down. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> insane. What about uh, you know, the, the least 
Good question. What it's about asked. Jughead's rants on Facebook about like chaining your kids to the fridge and how that's helpful? You know what I mean? Totally. Absolutely. I remember, I, I feel like Jughead is the sort of person that given this continuity, we would have talked about Jughead's Bag House magazine on our live show back when we started. Be like, yeah. I used to love that as a kid. That guy went insane. Like, <laughs> yeah. that just crazy. I saw that as a con. And he was ranting about like gargoyle kings and stuff. It was nuts. It was. Nuts. He said he lived two lives for a long time. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I got him to sign one of my magazines. So, <laughs> all right, we got a couple more here, and then I think we can wrap up. This is from Robin C. Gold. I'd love to know your thoughts on Riverdale as a quote comic book series rather than your typical CW teen soap. What do you think about that? Oh, interesting. Meaning the show, if the show was a comic book series? Well, no, no, no. This is something, this is, no, no, neither of those things. This is something that I was actually thinking about a lot. Let's keep guessing wrongly, Justin. This is fun. (laughs) No problem. This is something I was thinking about a lot going into the finale as I was reading goodbye pieces from other outlets that, to be frank, barely covered the show at all, other than like the premiere and the finale. Oh, shots fired. Shots fired. I'm sorry. Good pieces. No, I think part of it, frankly, and this is nothing against the outlets, is like, I'm sure they just couldn't get the pitches approved. Like, people don't read a lot about Riverdale, to be perfectly frank with you. I loved writing about it. I loved putting the stuff out there. But they weren't killers in terms of putting the stuff online. So I'm sure from an outlet perspective, being like, hey, can I do Riverdale coverage every week? They'd be like... No. So this was, I saw a lot of, and the reason I bring this up is because a lot of these pieces were people tweeting it out, be like, I finally got to write about Riverdale, a show that I dearly love. So this isn't a slam of these pieces. It's just, they were putting out these pieces and a lot of the frames were goodbye to Riverdale, the last of the great teen shows. And the thought in my head is like, was this a teen show? Like, was this Mm -hmm. like, because that was the trappings of it. That's the way that they sold it being like, ooh, this is a dark Archie comics-based show and they have sex and Archie has sex and there's murder in it. Isn't that cool and transgressive? Hey, murder isn't cool, man. But I think, like, a lot of that was, to the point of this question, how they got in the door and how they got butts in the seat. And then ultimately, the thing that frankly drove people away around season three is the show started to reach the true form of where it wanted to go in terms of being inspired by a million different batshit insane things at the same time and throwing them in a blender and seeing what came out and just wild bouts of inspiration when people who watch season one and two, they're like, whoa, 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 I signed on for One Tree Hill. That's what I signed on for. I signed on for Gossip Girl, a teen soap where I could watch teens fall in and out of love with each other. What are you doing with this organ farming? What are you doing with these gargoyle things? This is not what I want. And that is what I wanted. And that's what I think the show was all along. It just sort of like kept it on the DL for the first two seasons. And then it let its freak flag fly in every season. Hence. So I think to this point, like it was a comic book series. It was a comic book series inspired by Archie comics and all the wild things that Archie comics can be in the same way that arrow was inspired by comics. And the flash was inspired by comics rather than being a teen series. So that's, my rant on it. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, but also it was 
had that salacious, you know, ship energy, will they, won't they, that a CW show does have, you know? So I agree with you. It had the big swings of a comic book series or kind of uh, crazier arcs, uh, unafraid to bring in sci-fi or different elements like a comic book is. Uh, But it also, at the heart of it, a lot of people were in it for the ships, you know, they were in it for that kind of thing. And that was also the the CW greatness that you also liked about it. Yeah, I'm not. But to be clear, I'm not discounting shippers. That was a huge, enormous part of the discourse and why people are tuning into the show, even beyond season two. I think to derisively, yeah. as people called it, a teen show diminishes what Riverdale actually was. Well, but I, I think the whole point is that it's a it's a mismatch mishmash of all of those things. Like Riverdale is, it has DNA in every bit of television. Twin Peaks, teen shows, all the comic book source material that was underneath it. Um, your sort of like Law and Order type show, a fantasy show, sci fi. Like we were doing everything. X Files. Every season sort of found a different touch point. So. I think it's it's reductive to call it either when would it really I think it got in under the auspices of like, hey, there's this popular comic book. We're going to do a teen show about it. And then, like you said, Alex, they slowly were like, you know what? Let's this show is a success. Let's take every big swing we've ever wanted to do at any genre or thing that we love. And they did. And they got to then land the plane with a really <clears throat> emotional season that dealt with a lot of real world things. So that's. I think it did everything. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's probably a good place to wrap up here. Again, we got a ton more questions and theories, but thank you all for sending that in. I'm sorry we couldn't get to everything. Like we said, we're going to try to do more episodes here and there of things as we can. We also have plenty more podcasts to check out that come out nearly every day of the week at this point, including our Mm -hmm. live show, which is Tuesdays at 7 p.m., where we could definitely chat with you about Riverdale. That's on Facebook and YouTube. Also, we have other TV recap podcasts that are going on all the time. We've got a Marvel podcast. We've got a DC podcast. So please come follow us there. Listen to that stuff there as well. But we will, just like Jughead, Always check back in on Riverdale now and again. If you see us, uh, the three of us on the street together talking about Riverdale, almost coming to blows, please just break up the fight that's about to happen. (laughs) That would be the least you could do. Yeah. And if you want to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show, as mentioned, every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Come hang out to talk about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, Riverdale Dark on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, and there will be a next time, we'll Let's see. Hope so. Yo, that, you just keep saying it, it makes it feel like it's not going to Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I want there to be. I'll see you in that great pops diner in the sky. Oh, boy. That's nice. Well, I'm sorry. We're meeting at a podcast in the sky when our sweet hereafter.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.